0: Hi there my friends and welcome to the Brent Poland Podcast with me, Brent, where I get to have a discussion, debate, internal thoughts about the human condition, meaning of life, past, the present and the future and generally whatever takes my fancy. Hi, thank you for joining me on my podcast. I'm Brent Poland uh, this is Brent Speaks. Um, Brent Speaks his mind, which is tends to happen quite a bit. Uh, being an Irishman, this, this is what we do. I suppose we're good storytellers and we tell our stories. Today, I am going to talk to you about freedom. And from the point of view as a Green Party activist, an eco-socialist and an educator, and just an observer of the human condition, um, I've had... Just over two decades of experience under my belt. I've been uh, an educator for 17 of those. And I'm just going to tell you what I think about this idea of freedom. So for me, freedom is an abstract thought that we have. It's one of those deep philosophical things that people always throw up. It's about like liberty, you know, freedom, democracy. I think it's a very misunderstood word. It's, it's often used by people and it's often used out of context. You know, you've taken away my freedom. My curiosity with freedom, obviously, was born out of, you can tell from my accent, um, a situation in, in the north of Ireland during the Troubles. And the weird irony is is that my freedom was curtailed by a political violent situation from both terrorists and the, and, and the, the police and the army. You know, if you've seen the likes of Derry Girls, not to plug it, um, that was a bit like my teenage years. You know, the irony of, you know, having no freedom when it came to movement between the town I lived in to get to the army checkpoints to get to school versus I actually did have a lot of freedom. Now, the type of freedom I had was the freedom of thought, the freedom of mind, the freedom of speech. I'm quite lucky that my parents, although working class, um, were very knowledgeable in the world, very knowledgeable about people. They had the type of intelligence that you get from many working class people, that, that people's smartness, that understanding of the wider world that understanding of their own place. See, they had been out in the 60s inspired by Dr. King and Rosa Parks um, and they'd been out campaigning for what they called One Man, One Vote. And that was this whole campaign from the point of view of Northern Irish Catholics, of which I was raised, in not being a second-class citizen, not having the material rights. Because, of course, freedom goes with rights from that point of view. And the weird thing about it is, is that although I had one aspect of my freedom growing up, was massively curtailed. Some choices were just not there for me because I knew my position in society. I knew I was a second-class citizen. I knew I was a Catholic. I knew I lived on the border. So I was well aware, from a very early age, of the concept of freedom... I sang the Irish songs, which always harked for freedom. I mean, every Irish sort of band song we call them always goes on about suppression of rights and, and, you know, fighting for our freedom and standing up against the man. And it's left its mark on me. But the weird irony about all of this is that we were free people. (laughs) In a strange way, the law didn't apply to us. There was a lawlessness and an outlaws about it. It was like the Wild West. And the strange thing is, is that that kind of Wild West mentality has prevailed throughout my life. I've never felt suppressed in the mind. I was encouraged to question authority because every part of authority that I grew up with was either morally corrupt or was not there for me. You know, we questioned the police that didn't always apply the rules. We questioned the armed forces. We questioned the Catholic Church. You know, we questioned our teachers at school, which is even more ironic because I've turned out to be a teacher and I find that the most weirdest thing of the lot. I, I'm a person who hates authority. and now I'm an extremely strict teacher in school. It's, it's come full circle. And that was the weird, the, the sort of, the, it's hard to describe it unless you've lived through it. The, the, the sheer kind of sort of feral childhood I have of no health and safety, you know. My father, I love him dearly. You know, I was growing up with, you know, having a car with uh, an old car that usually third or fourth hand with no car seat on it <laughs> and no seatbelt. And my dad would be smoking a cigarette in the front, you know, I'd be sitting in the front seat. And I'm quite a small guy. And there was no problem with that you know we we kind of lived our lives very very much free and as a teenager, I'm not gonna say I was the most well behaved teenager you know we my whole society was quite rebellious but quite free and and there was something intoxicating about that. there was something extremely intoxicating about that it, 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 and 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 although economically my parents and my 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 community was was poor. We were rich in the mind, we were so rich in the mind. I look at a lot of the guys I went to school with and we didn't come out with top GCSEs and stuff. We've all been quite as successful because we're self-made, we're self-educated. We travelled, I, I travelled to the States when I was 18, which is, you know, so stereotypical, Irish guy in New York. And of course New York was like free to do the what you want, where you want, and, and, and that was so intoxicating. I travelled back again in, 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 when I was 19 to the States and I could see the seduction of travel and for a young man to go off to university at 18 and express, you know, meet people, I would say that I was the freest in my life at that stage. And I followed that up with probably one of the happiest years of my life, which would, I would say was uh, my gap year. <laughs> yeah such a stereotype of you know the 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 academic who goes and travels the world i got a job at the olympic games in sydney working for a recycling company and a cleaning company and and again some of the stories i left with 120 pounds in my pocket no credit card (laughs) no backup plan no idea i was just a promise of a job of a couple of days work at the sydney olympic games and and so did two of my best friends and we made a year of it in Australia. We just made it up as we went along. We, there was no plan. There was nothing to stop us doing anything we wanted. It was it was pure addictive freedom. And, and I know that some people who have gap years, they struggle to adjust. They really struggle to adjust to, to the, the supposed real world afterwards. Because, yes, you've got to settle down and get married, have children, get a mortgage. Which sounds like the plot line of the movie Spotting, you know, which is my generation as well. I grew up, you know, reading Train Trainspotting uh, and reading, you know, uh, the likes of The Beach, for instance, which was inspirational about looking at the likes of globalisation, about identity and about, you know, finding your place in the world and being an original individual and not going with the rest of the crowd. That struck a chord with me. That really struck a chord. So when I did come back, I ended up leaving Ireland, like many did before me, and coming to England, because I was in a relationship. And again, the promise of England was the promise of freedom, the promise of independence, the promise of a better future, better jobs. And I found myself into teaching. I worked for Boots the Chemist for a couple of years. Um, Didn't want to be a corporate man. I, I didn't want to be a corporate man because... I didn't want to be a person who was just making money for some people that didn't know me. I wanted my life to mean something. I wanted to give something back at this deep-seated need to pass on what I had experienced and pass on my version of the world, a version of the world without fear, a version of the world where where people don't have, you know, their mind controlled because I was awakened and my mind was awakened. My mind was awakened to the, the possibilities. And yes, young and idealistic, like many others before me, I set out on that journey to, to find my place and find my niche. And I'm so so lucky that i got so many individuals telling me for years to, to go be a teacher because I just have that attitude of wanting to, to learn, wanting to teach, wanting to pass on knowledge, wanting to pass on wisdom, wanting to help people. And the combination of all those things was teaching. And the first time I did it, I just loved it. And I've loved it ever since. And one of the reasons I love it is because it's working with young people. Their minds are amazing. They ask the questions that adults have forgotten. And maybe it is a little bit of that intoxication of being around those minds that are open, not closed. Those minds that are curious. Those minds that sometimes, from a question coming from a 12-year-old, comes insight and understanding way beyond their years. And and it is amazing to work as a humanities teacher as well, because, you know, I get to teach geography and history, subjects which themselves explore what the meaning of humanity really is. And and since I've been in education, I've come to a greater understanding that knowledge is one thing, but confidence with knowledge creates an understanding. And that for me creates freedom. I mean, as Socrates says, to find yourself, you have to think for yourself. And one of the frustrations, of course, within education is that we're teaching mind slaves, teaching kids to pass an exam. I've always prided myself in not doing that. I've always prided myself in trying to create the most courageous students who think for themselves, um, who stand up for what their beliefs are, you know, who are brave enough to express their inner thoughts and not worry what others think. And it's brought me to the realisation that that our freedom, physically, we are more free than we were historically. We, we You know, we were all able to vote. Um, we are now in a situation where, you know, suffragists and suffragettes have done their job, the Peterloo Massacre, the Chartist movement. You know, for hundreds of years, from Magna Carta right through to, you know, the English Civil War, we have a parliamentary democracy. And on paper, we've never had it so good. On paper, we've never had it so good. You know, we have more material wealth, we have more choice. And the weird thing is, is that I feel less free now, as a middle-aged middle-class father of two who's a teacher, than I did as a young headstrong, reckless kid growing up in the Troubles. <laughs> and I, I don't know whether that's age. You know, yes, I've got a mortgage. I can't make those reckless decisions, I've got to grow up and mature. Maybe that is age. Maybe that's what happens to a lot of us us men, that we just can't cope can't cope with being shackled and chained. And we want our freedom. And we want that decisions to do our things that we want to do and when we want to do them and you know what, stuff the consequences. And I think that helps explain why why some people go a little crazy in the modern world, because the modern world is a, a shackling place. In the future, we, we're algorithms, we're data. You know, our, our every internet decision is logged. We saw that with the Cambridge Analytica. And we, and we saw that with the recent political campaigns from Brexit to, to the, the, the work that's been done with Google and Twitter. And even now, the way that media works to target you. And it's almost like they're telling you what you like. But actually... Are they telling us what we like and then we like it and then we like it because that's what they're telling us we like? We're dealing with a very insidious, a very insidious sort of um, new level of humanity. Um, we all know about how the Nazis controlled people using propaganda and, and messages and we know that the radio was one of the keys to their message. We're living in the Wild West with social media and we've seen how Trumpism, we've seen how Brexit got done. We've seen the loss of freedom. And yet the irony is the promise of freedom. Take back control. You know, fight the establishment. And when it comes down to it, it comes down to the fact that people want and strive for freedom. But I don't think they fully understand what freedom really is. And freedom has to be struggled for. It has to be fought for. It it, it has to be... It has to be at a level of awareness. And I know at the moment there are people who are rejecting what's happened with COVID. I understand them. I'm not condemning any an individual. I have not condemned any individual for their beliefs about the conspiracy theories around COVID. Because that's not my job. My job as, you know, as somebody who works in humanities is to figure out the human condition. It's to figure out how these people are coming up with this. And at what level... Is somebody pulling their strings? And at what level are they conscious that their strings are being pulled? Because every form of propaganda always has a grain of truth in it. Do governments lie? Yes. Do people in power and authority lie? That's eternal. Do politicians philanders? like that, that old song from the 1997, you know, um, Everybody's Free with Baz Lerman, You know, live in New York once in your life. And I, I, I love that song. I always play that song to the students about life advice. You know, Wear sunscreen is that song, you know, and it's amazing. But one of the lines in it, politicians will always philanthrop. and one of those things is is that we, the world may have moved on technologically, and human beings may believe we're sophisticated, but actually, are we living in a feudal system? Are we living with a new level of awareness, a new metacognition, a new higher level of consciousness of control, that much like in the 1930s, the people in, in in Germany, quite a few of them, were not aware of the insidious nature of Nazi propaganda. But some were. And that's the that's the thing I see with some of these individuals talk about, you know, the waking up of their consciousness. And I, I can appreciate that. I can understand that. Same as Brexit. I, I, I can understand why people have voted for Brexit. Because they, they do want to take back control. They do want more ownership of their own lives people do want their freedom but who promised them that for what gain have they been manipulated pointing out to somebody they've been manipulated is not going to work because the key to it has to of course always be self-realization self-actualization people have to know you can't force things on people you have to make them they have to make the decision themselves i know this as an educator i give kids choice I give them the choice of what they want to study. At the moment, I have my children studying um, Iran-Iraq conflict, the Gulf War, and 9-11. They chose that. That's not what I would have chosen for them. You know, most history teachers, they, they, they do the, you know, the Nazi Germany, and the Treaty of Versailles, and the League of Nations, because it's pretty straightforward, and it's what they were taught. But my kids chose that. When I asked them why, they were interested to know about the world now. They're interested to know about something they could connect to. And... They're generally interested in it because they have a, a vested interest in it. They've made the choice. I'm lucky that my students, vast majority of them, choose the subject that I want them to to, to teach them. I have a brilliant situation where they want to learn. they want me to teach them and, and I want to teach them. So I have a very strong relationship and bond with my learners because and they, they trust me and and that is not there in a lot of parts of society. The trust is gone. Who is promising your freedom? What do they want in return? What do you have to give up for your freedom? And that's the question. You know, that is the key question. The great revolution of the history of man, past and present and future, is the revolution of those determined to be free, as Kennedy said. Barack Obama said, my liberty depends on you being free too. And you see, that comes to the Black Lives Matter situation. People often think that freedom, liberty, is a a fixed pot. And that fixed pot is, I have my freedoms, but in order to give somebody else freedom, you have to take from me. That's not necessarily true. I believe the opposite. I, I believe in the more you give people freedoms, and the more you give people ownership of those freedoms, real choice, the more you educate them, the more you empower them, the more interest they have. Like the children in my classroom who are motivated because... They're motivated to want to better themselves. They're motivated because they want to learn. I'm not their teacher. I often say that to parents at parents' evenings. They thank me for the job I do. And I say, no, no. I thank them for the job they have done in educating their children. But also, I thank the pupil. When the pupil gets the, the exam results, I look at them. And I thank them. And I say, well done, them. And it, Because it's not on me. I, my driving instructor wasn't to blame when I failed my driving test. That was on me. And I think that the individual freedom, people want the freedom, but they don't want to take responsibility. They don't want to... They they want to pass off. They want the freedom. They 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 want it, but they don't want to earn it. They don't want what comes with it. With freedom comes responsibility. The responsibility to vote. The responsibility to educate yourself. The responsibility to be an active participant in society. Just saying you want freedom... And it's like those people that quote democracy and think that democracy is mob rule, you know, 51% versus 49%. That's not true democracy. True democracy is everybody has a say. True freedom is not the freedom of one group of people over the freedom of others. People like Mandela have said that. You know, some of our greatest world leaders from Mandela to Benjamin Franklin to, to, to Roosevelt, Edmund Burke, you know, one of my greatest philosophers who who made me aware of freedom was J.S. Mill in his book On Liberty. You know, freedom's a balancing act. Freedom is a, freedom is something where you don't take too much of it because you have to share, you, you have to share it, you have to, have to understand that other people have freedom too. You have to respect their freedoms and that doesn't diminish you. That makes you more free and we're losing that. The tribalism that's been set up the simplistic the binary thinking that we're getting from a politician suits them. It's the classic old statement of divide and conquer. You know, it's the, the breaking of the zero-sum game and into a the constituent parts of winners and losers. It's childlike. It's, and, and in fact, it's not even childlike because the children I work with aren't like that. <laughs> I mean, the only prison is Fear. The only real freedom is the freedom from fear. We, we've got to stop fearing. We've got to stop fearing people. We've got to stop fearing other people's freedoms. We have to embrace other people. We have to understand them. We have to not be afraid that their freedom does not destroy my freedom. You know, tame birds sing of freedom, wild birds fly, as John Lennon said. And I love John Lennon. John Lennon's one of my, my father's heroes, and, and by extension, my father's heroes became my heroes. I mean, as as, as a Greek philosopher once said, only the educated are free. And that's why I do my job. That's why I want to do the likes of this blog. That's why I want to to be a person in politics because it's not my job to tell people what to think. It's not my job to make them like me. It's my job to free them. It's my job to free their minds. It's my job to, to instill them with a sense of confidence, a sense of understanding. Not knowledge, but wisdom. You know, not suppression, But empowerment. Man is born free and everywhere he's in change, it was so said. Man is born free, everywhere he's in change. I was born free. It's a thing my parents instilled within me. It's a thing I would have died for. The freedom, not of the physical, but the freedom of the mind. freedom of the mind. And that is the most dangerous, dangerous thing to those in charge that is why the concentration camps were full of thinkers that is why Pol Pot went for the thinkers that is why if people knew their strength and if people, the masses understood the, the power they have and become self, more self-aware more wise then we really truly would be more free we really truly would be more free this is an eternal struggle. I am just merely another player on the grand chessboard of that struggle. Thank you for listening. I hope we've given you some food for thought. I am more than welcome any discussion and debate about the things I've said. As I say, they're just <laughs> the ramblings of a child of the troubles who happens to be a teacher of history. Thank you. I'll see you again. Slona a as we would say. Thank you. Thanks for listening, my friends. And if you enjoyed what you heard, then please like, share, and subscribe. And any feedback that you can give me would be more than appreciated. <laughs> Teachers love feedback. You can find me on Twitter at BrentPoland1. You can find me on YouTube at BrentPoland1. Fun enough, Instagram, my account is BrentPoland1. However, my Facebook is my local Errowash Green Party, and that is Errowash Green on Facebook. Thank you again, my friends.